Hi, I'm Harut Markarian, and this is Mobility and Inclusion, the show where we share the powerful stories of people with disabilities and daring entrepreneurs making waves in our world. From technological innovations to best practices in business, we'll learn what it really means to live in an inclusive and universally designed environment. Hello and welcome. I am Harut Markarian. This is Mobility and Inclusion, and our guest today is Zach Herbert. Zach is a lawyer, former Marine officer, and a fellow Pepperdine two-time graduate. We'll come back to the two-time. Uh, he is a partner at the Dallas Personal Injury Law Firm of Herbert and Everstein. Zach's practice entails helping injured victims navigate the complicated legal process of insurance compensation. Over the years, Zach has helped countless people with injuries ranging from smaller aches and pains all the way up to catastrophic, life-changing injuries. Zach uses technology to help communicate to a wide range of clientele, including the deaf. Zach, welcome to the show, my friend. Great to be here. Thanks for the intro. I appreciate that. That was a very well-written uh, intro. I, I, I think uh, you, you, you did me justice. Oh, man. You know, if only I can do better. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's it going, man? How, how, how has business been for you for, you know, the start of 2021? Started 2021 has been actually pretty good. I, uh, you know, the pandemic last year got us all real scared, and I know a lot of people circled the wagons. Um, I, I think we made some decisions in my business that were pretty, pretty good. Now looking back on it, and starting off 2021 strong, about into this quarter coming up, and I think we're gonna. We're going to put up some good numbers. We're all going to hit our goals so far for this year. So I've got high hopes for the rest of the year. That's great, man. That's great. There was, uh, was, there, was there a big uh, uh, transition between the pandemic area and I don't know if we, if we can say post-pandemic area now. I don't know if we are right, right. in a post-pandemic area, but, you know. Are we has... post-pandemic? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how has that uh, transition been between 2020 and 2021? Was there a big difference there? Well, um, I guess, I guess there, yes, there is. I live in Texas and I know that we've made the news a couple of times so far in 2021. And I can sum it up by saying, you know, Texans just don't want to be told what to do. Okay. That's kind of, it's kind of the way Texans are. And so at first last year, when this all started and there was a lockdown, nobody was driving, nobody was on the roads and if nobody's on the roads, there's no accidents. If there's no accidents, then nobody calls a, a car wreck attorney like myself. So the, <laughs> we thought we thought a, a lot of bad things were going to happen to us. And then um, people started wearing masks. They they started figuring out how to how the new normal worked for them. And I think that everybody started driving again. At least in Texas, it's kind of like Los Angeles. Everybody drives. Yeah. There's no. I mean, we were you know, faintly aware of some, per some, uh, you know, public transportation, but nobody actually uses it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we have, I, we have public transportation here as well. I've never used it. <laughs> I know exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You've seen it, you know, uh, it exists. Yeah, There's, yeah. You know, yeah, advertising absolutely. on the side of it. <laughs> well, it's great to hear that, you know, things are picking back up again. Um, you are a fellow, uh, so let's talk about that two-time uh, Pepperdine graduate. Uh, is, it, is it like you failed the first time, came back the second time to, to succeed, or how, how did that two-time work? 
<laughs> I got to tell you, man, I uh, first went to law school after college and I went to Pepperdine. I went to Pepperdine because they accepted me. That's really why I went to Pepperdine. Um, I didn't know anything about California. I had never been to California before. Uh, I had never seen the Pacific Ocean. I didn't realize it was cold. I'd only ever seen the Galveston Atlantic uh, side of things where the water is actually warm. Um, so that, that was one of the first things I had to learn. But I, I applied to a lot of law schools and um, Pepperdine, Pepperdine accepted me and sent me a postcard. And it was just a picture of the campus and it says, wish you were here. And I was like, sold, I'm going, I'm gonna move. They did, that's all they had to do. And so I moved and I started law school. I didn't know anybody. I was uh, newly married. And um, my wife and I just kind of figured it out. And we figured out that we loved uh, Pepperdine, the school. Uh, she worked at Pepperdine while I went to law school there. Nice. Um, and then when the market fell in 2008, there were no jobs for attorneys unless you wanted to go into the military. And so I went into the Marine Corps because that was the hardest uh, branch she could possibly have gone into. Because I just like to do things the hard way, I guess. And I did four years in the Marines. And I said, I'm never going back to school. I will never go back to school. I've had enough school. Three years was enough. No way. And then um, I started my own business uh, after I'd been practicing for a while and realized that I could read a lot of books or I could use the GI Bill and go back to school and called Pepperdine and they said, sure, come on. And they started a cohort and you were in it, Harut. And, and uh, we did 19 months of classes and we all got our, we all got our degree in the nick of time, I feel like, you know, right before the pandemic, <laughs> I know. right before Hong Kong had protests, right before all these things happened. We were pretty uh, lucky in a bunch. I say, I'd say, I'd say, and I haven't, I hadn't flown until this past weekend. I hadn't flown since uh, 2019. That was the last time I flew. I had so many miles, but this past weekend, I, uh, we did a quick getaway and I used some of my uh, Southwest miles. It's still That's weird. Hear, it's still I weird to fly. Flown yet, yeah. so I haven't you haven't flown, flown yet? Nope. Ugh. No. I have COVID now because I did that. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Put a mask on, please. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, I got one around here somewhere. Here you go. Here. I'll protect you for the rest of this uh, for the rest of this interview. Okay, no, please take that off. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, let's uh, let's talk about how the MBA kind of like what what changed in you that drove a change in how you do how you do business. A lot, honestly. I was able to since I had so I started my law firm in October of 2017. We started classes in May of 2018. And so I um, had only been running the place for you know, six, seven months. And, um, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. In fact, you know, they don't teach you anything in law school, even, even like the just basic things like an, a trust account and where to go to open up a, a business account. I, I mean, from the beginning of the beginnings, I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> and so while I was in, uh, the MBA program, I used that to uh, bounce ideas off of my classmates like you. I, I took a lot of the things we learned in, in the different subjects and I applied them directly to my business. Uh, things like le the leadership class that we took, uh, things like the quantitative analysis class that we took, I used it to 
I learned a lot in that one uh, to use the numbers to my advantage, to forecasting, to, um, you know, figure out, am I spending my time in the right places, that sort of thing. And my business grew. I had no employees when I started the MBA. And then now uh, there are eight people that work here uh, awesome. now. So it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's, and I assume that this year we're going to grow by a few more because uh, we already have a couple of um, new positions that we're thinking of, of creating for this year, as well as we got more room. We're moving next month into a bigger office space. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of excited about that because where I'm at right now, the blinds are brown, you know, and if you have bl brown blinds, you know, you're not in a good place. It's not <laughs> high level. You got to have white blinds behind you. Oh, and then, it. Now, yeah. then I'll be cool. <laughs> then I'll be, a, I'll, then I'll have made it. It's, 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 great <laughs> no, it's definitely a very exciting time for you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm, you know, I'm hearing all of the positive uh, growth that you're experiencing. Um, Uh, how is how was the uh, partnership? Talk to us about the partnership. How how did that come to exist? So the oh yeah, so the partnership. So in July of last year, I partnered with uh, my old boss. Actually, uh, he uh, was on his own. He is significantly older than me. I won't say how much older, but he's he's a lot older than I am. He had retired, and then he decided he was bored and didn't really want to retire anymore, and started taken on cases again. And the thing about what I do is you can advertise all you want and you see it where you're from, uh, whoever's listening and, and you too, Harood, you see it at billboards, you see, you hear it on the radio, always a personal injury attorney, right? There's, there's plenty of them to choose from, but word of mouth is probably the most, uh, the best way to get clients because then that's the most, I think clients, nobody's going to just call the guy off the billboard without at least asking somebody first, Hey, did you hire an attorney? Do you know the guy? And so when you've been around a long time, like my partner, Brian has uh, the word of mouth is if there's a word of mouth quotient, his is lots higher than my word of mouth quotient is. And so he just was getting cases without doing much advertising. The pandemic hit, I wasn't getting any cases He had a lot of cases, but he had no staff. Um, I'm the nerd with all of the processes ready to go. Uh, he's got the rainmaking clout. So it was a very good uh, partnership. I, I mean, we each brought to the table, I think, what the other one was lacking. And so far, it has worked out. Uh, since, since adding his cases and, and him and uh, one of his employees, we've continued to grow. And it's It's been a, a, the, probably the best decision I made in 2020. That's great, man. That uh, sounds like a great partnership indeed. Um, you uh, call yourself modern attorneys. What do you mean by that? And, you know, how do you differentiate yourself from other lawyers in general and, you know, other law firms in particular? Sure. I, I think that that's part of the, the, the partnership of what we both bring to the table. Brian is uh, self-described as old school, um, and which can mean many different things in, in different contexts, but it's old school in the fact that he prefers to meet the clients face-to-face. -face. He wants to talk to them. He wants to get to know them. Um, that one-on-one that -on -one, uh, client-lawyer relationship that honestly just doesn't really exist anymore Uh, when you hire an attorney, hardly ever talk to the attorney or see the attorney. Uh, and me, I am a complete 
I guess geek is probably a better term than nerd. I'm more of a geek because I love technology. I like to, I like the new shiny tech, you know, gadgets. And I also like to uh, implement automations in my law firm. So if I can automate it, then I'm going to build it. And so that we don't have to actually click that button again, you know, it's just done automatically for us. And I found out that there was a lot of automations I could do um, and to streamline my services that I'm bringing to my clients, which makes me a lot more efficient. And there's, um, there's a big, there's, that's a big asset to bring to this, this space because lawyers, and I'm just going to throw us all into one boat. Lawyers are not good at adapting to new things. We are fairly set in our ways and um, we're not necessarily uh, the most uh, pliable individuals. We like what we like. There's still lawyers that use paper and I'm completely paperless in my law firm. And so there, there's, there's a big, uh, that's a big part of what we do. We're the modern attorney. It's kind of a relative term compared to most attorneys. We're incredibly modern. We're cutting edge compared to like, you know, Apple or Google. We're probably not so modern. We're probably back in, you know, the 2000s. No, but I love uh, that. But as far as... Yeah, I love how you're implementing the technology and using it to, you know, using it in your practice to the to the most efficient way possible. That's, that's great to hear, actually. And uh, it sounds like, you know, his, uh, you know, uh, older ways and your modern technique is like, as we said, it's a great partnership and it's good, great efficiency to carry on the, the business to the next level. You know, and what's interesting about that is too, I, I've started to give clients the option, you know, when I say, hey, you can either come in or we can meet uh, or we could do this electronically if you prefer. And it's interesting who chooses to do it just electronically and who wants to meet. You would think it's all the young people that want to do it electronically, but that's not necessarily the case. Uh, the pandemic, of course, changed this, you know, the, the data. Yeah. But before the pandemic, I was always giving people that opportunity. And, and I was, I was, I was, uh, it was interesting. Some younger people would insist on meeting. No, I want to come to your office. I want to meet you. Um, you, you, you. I threw somebody, I threw the lawyers into one group, but yet, you, know, you can't do that with the younger generation. You can't throw them all into one group and say, they all want to do it electronically. It's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I would be one of the one of those ones who want to come to your office and meet you. There you go. <laughs> and you're, um, are you? I don't know how old you are, man. You could be old. You could be young. I am kind of an six years old. In between space. <laughs> in between, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're in the in between space. You could have said forty six, and I would have believed you. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, yeah, no, I have a different appreciation for. Uh, uh, for you know that 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 personal interaction. You know, I have dif different appreciation for that, and you know, I'm also very technological in, in, uh, in, in so many ways, but uh, I think that human interaction is something that is very valuable. And mm. you know, for me, at least. Yeah, yeah for sure. So uh, you say you, were, you are fighting for those who without a voice. So who are these people and why are they without a voice? Oh man, so this, this is a story time, I guess. For, for, for now. Um, I, well, you know, where I come from, I come from uh, Texas. There's plenty of, uh, plenty of opportunity for people to, uh, to get bullied in high school. I was on the football team for a while and then I quit and I uh, went to the drama club and became the drama club president my senior year. So there's 
and in East Texas high school, it's like having a target on your back, right? Um, <laughs> going from football to drama. Uh, and, and, and so I, I guess that shaped me a lot when I went to college and then law school is the goal was always to stand up for people who were being taken advantage of, who didn't have a voice. That's the idea. Not having a voice is somebody who doesn't know what they're supposed to do, but they know what's happening to them is wrong. For the first few years I was at a law school, I did criminal defense, which was right up my alley. You know, you got the government is going to throw them in jail. They're not being treated fairly, you know, whatever they're accused of. Uh, a, lot of a lot of different factors there. I felt like that was where I needed to be. It was incredibly stressful because if you lose, your client goes to jail. So personal injury is a lot better for me because if I lose, you know, we lose money. Nobody goes to jail. Um, <laughs> it's still stressful, <laughs> but a little bit less. I bet. But I have seen, and here comes the politics. I have seen insurance companies uh, shape the laws that uh, take advantage of the individual people in this state and in this country my entire career. It's amazing what's happening under, right under our noses. Uh, there's a, there's a legislative session going on right now in Texas. Uh, there's lobbyists that are trying to push a bill that will completely ruin what I do for a living. It would, it would mean that I'm out of a job if this bill gets passed. So there's, there's stuff like that every two years when our legislature legislative sessions are, uh, there's something to, to make you, you know, gasp for a while as an attorney. But that's what's happening. And insurance companies are the best at this. I think they have the most money for, for this because if you imagine, uh, if you can save, if you can save a buck by spending fifty cents, you're going to do it every day. Yeah. And insurance companies do it in the millions, uh, and they do it to be able to take advantage of us, the people that are actually paying the premiums. Uh, and, and how many times have you heard or said yourself, "Oh, I don't want to make a claim. They'll raise my rates," right? The fact that you're afraid of that means that the insurance companies are doing an amazing job at the propaganda. Uh, why are you paying for insurance in the first place if you're afraid of making a claim on the exact policy that you're paying for, which they said will protect you if anything happens to you? It's 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 mind-boggling to me, um, and that's that's the people without a voice. If you get into a car wreck, if you slip and fall at a business that isn't safe, if you uh, if, if, if we even have a couple of civil rights cases, if you're being taken advantage of somebody with power, uh, then I'm the guy to call because, you know, I like standing up to bullies and I kind of like to fight. The Marine Corps helped with that. Um, <laughs> you know, I had that little bit of training to do that, but I like to fight. I like confrontation and I like to argue, which you saw firsthand, I think, Harut, in our MBA class. Yes, yes. Tell them. Absolutely. But, but <laughs> this is actually a great, uh, a great information session. You know, I, uh, I, I didn't expect uh, that, you know, this would turn into a great education for everybody. You know, what you just said was, you know, for me, at least it was educational because you're right. Every time I was, I'm like, you know what, raise my premium, whatever. I don't want to claim it. It's like, it, you know, you, you may... Yeah, kind of like you hit the target and uh, with that with that statement. But uh, thank you for explaining why why we should really, you know, put a claim in and not just go with what what it's being said, you know, or what's easier, I, I guess. I keep thinking about it as a business model after going through business school. And I mean, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but an insurance company takes in premiums and they just have to pay out less. 
right? I mean, that's the profit. That equals profit. It's, it's actually, it's the most basic business model I think that I can think of. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no product. You're not selling anything. It's no. just give me money, right? And I'll just, I'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah. And then they pay adjusters to find excuses not to pay. And then they pay lobbyists to make the laws easy for them. And then they pay, you know, all sorts of different things that they can do. Well, uh, all, this, all of the different uh, commercials, you yeah. know. All this, and we didn't even go into the healthcare portion of things yet. That's where. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or do? How much time do we got? Yeah. yeah, and that's just. I'm just talking about liability insurance, really. Homeowners yeah. insurance, car insurance, that sort of thing. Uh, health insurance is way more complicated and varied than that, but. Yeah, it's it's a it's incredible. And next to my house, there is a State Farm complex that they built a few years ago, that is only State Farm, and it's at least four buildings, I believe. And they got restaurants and a nice little walking area, and then the Whole Foods went in across the street. Now they got apartments everywhere. They made their own town. This insurance company made an entire town in North Dallas. Uh, I think they're doing fine. I think they got plenty of, like of that profit. <laughs> Well, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the old school and the modern technology and how uh, easy or efficient that transition is being in your in your day-to-day business you know because some people come and uh, prefer maybe to go the the uh, the older ways and other prefer to go about it with the more more modern techniques that you offer and do you see any challenges in applying both in your practice? Um, so we try to give everybody an, oppor- an option. What is the best way that you like to communicate with us? So far, nobody's chosen post the mail, um, United States Postal Service. Nobody's chosen that so far. Uh, but we have options like email, uh, text message, phone calls. Um, those are the things that we offer uh, everybody, and we have a note in their case, they prefer a, a text, they prefer a phone call. I have found that 99% of people uh, are able to do one of those three things, email, text, or phone call. There is a few, there's maybe I can think of like one in the past few years that, uh, you know, the whole text message wasn't wasn't a way to do it. Email, I forgot my email password. Phone calls, yeah, but the phone is sometimes turned off. They didn't pay their bill. So um, those we got to get creative. I usually get, you know, next of next friend, you know, or next of kin to be able to call them. And then I'll use the postal service if I have to. I really hate mailing things, but if I have to mail something, I'll mail it. Oh, I faxed somebody before too. Uh, you know, they can go down to a Kinko's or something and they, they wait for the fax to come. I've done that before. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So uh, old school. I mean, I don't know if you can get more old school than a fax machine. I know. Does fax still exist? It does in my profession. It's really funny. Um, of course, I have e-fax, so it just emailed to me as an attachment. Um, but yeah, there are. Uh, it's for HIPAA. Uh, some doctors are are only um, comfortable with faxing records if you know that's the only way they'll do it, or mailing them. And we'll say, then fax it, please. Don't mail it to us, because uh, <laughs> once again, I hate the mail. Um, but yeah, I think that's how we we do it so that everybody can be comfortable with the way that we communicate with them. And then, of course, I've got 
you can make a, 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 an appointment with me uh, with a Calendly link. It's just a URL that we text them, click on this, make an appointment with me. 90% of everybody is fine with doing that. There's the 10% that don't know how to click on a link. And so they say, I want to do tomorrow at 10 a.m. And we go, okay, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> Come in. We'll click on the link for you. Well, the, but yeah, I most mean, people are proficient enough. Yeah, uh, I would think so. And, uh, you know, it's, I think you're doing a great job in accommodating every, every demographic and every, every taste, I guess, right? Um, well, that's what's great about the text and the, and the emails and everything. Google Translate, you just copy and paste it into there and you text it back to them. I wish my, my tech, it's, um, it's a program that I use. It's part of my case management software. I, I would think it would be so cool if they would just tie into to Google Translate and I could just choose whichever language I wanted to and just directly type in there and have conversations. So and to just get over the, have an open tab where I copy and paste yeah. from Google Translate. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not like you, Harut. I only speak one language and um, I, I, speak, I speak really bad Spanish. So I don't even say I speak two languages. I just oh, speak you bad speak, Spanish. You speak a little Thai too, though. <laughs> we did learn, a, we did learn a, a couple of Thai words, I think, when we were there. But uh, yeah, they've long forgotten those. Yeah. I, the right. bot. Bot was their dollar, right? I remember bot. Chokni, right? Chokni was cheers or something? Chokni! <laughs> that was the cheers. Chokni. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Got, see, you got the you got the language thing down. Like you just got a knack <laughs> for it. I just I'll just use Google Translate. Because yeah. you know, it's gonna be like Star Trek by the time you know you and I die. It'll just be like an ear thing and we just say our language and it yeah, they hear it, exactly. You know. They don't even hear what we're saying, they just hear what they want to hear, you know. <laughs> It'll be implanted in our brains by the time. I mean, I shoot, what do you think that's 20 years away? Come on. Well, I think they're doing it now. So uh, for mass implementation, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, Cars are going to drive themselves and we won't even talk to each other. We'll just stare at each other like this and we'll just be thinking. <laughs> things each other. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Fun times. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, you said we could get off script. You told me that was okay. I didn't give you a script, but yeah, it's okay. Of course. <laughs> it's like you're making it sound like I'm, I'm telling you what to say and what not to say <laughs> oh, yes man. now what do i say to this harut thank you for the opportunity <laughs> no this is this is a free platform so you're uh, you know all opinions are welcome even yours then <laughs> even my opinion what do you know <laughs> um Hey, uh, give us a little insight if you can. Like, what's the percentage of car accident that will have a minimum damages versus life-changing injuries? Man, I don't know. I need to look up the car wrecks from last year. I think I have on my website, I, had, I have car wreck data from 2018 or 2017. I need to update that. But there's a lot in Texas. There's a lot of car wrecks. Um, and that data is actually available. I did a project on it when we did quantitative analysis in our MBA program, I found all the data for all of the car wrecks in Texas that had a police report because the police reports are public uh, record. Mm -hmm. And so I could take that and I took all of those. If there's a police report, then it's, it's serious enough for the cops to come. It doesn't mean necessarily that there's a wreck, there's an injury in that wreck, but that do doesn't even, um, get close to the number of wrecks that are actually happening, right? Because sometimes the police don't come out. Uh, sometimes the police don't come out and you're like, why didn't the cops come out to this? Um, must have been a busy night. 
but I did. I put them all together, put them all up on a map. And uh, her, there's a lot. There is, I, I forget the number, but thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, of I'm more concerned about maybe the, the, the rules and regulations that protect people who uh, go through a life-changing experience from a car wreck, for example. Um, does the rule protect these people? Or, or like how, how does the law work when someone gets in the car accident and his entire life has changed and he has to use a wheelchair, for example, for the rest of his or her oh, life. Man. So yeah, um, okay, so here's a little lesson on insurance. There's two different types. There's it's third party and first party. Third party insurance is like the liability insurance that you have to get to be able to drive a car legally. In your state in California, the minimum limits for that is 15,000. In Texas, the minimum limits is 30,000 and it, it's ranges everywhere between that in different states. But that's the, that's the minimum, right? And what that is, is that the insurance that they say you have to buy so you can register your car. So if a cop pulls you over, he doesn't give you a ticket, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. That means that if you hit and hurt someone, then the max your insurance company will pay out will be the 15,000, whatever you buy. Yeah. Um, now, 15,000 won't protect uh, you uh, personally if you do, if you, there's a horrible wreck and you cause a lot of damage to someone. But if you don't have any assets, if you don't have any money, then 15,000 is a lot of times the only thing that those people will get. And depending on your state, in Texas, uh, you're pretty protected from lawsuits uh, if somebody sues you personally. It's an old law and it says something like, you can have one house, you know, one chicken, one goat, something like that. We can't garnish your wages. So what me that means is that if somebody hits you and they have the minimum limits and they cause a lot more than that, then you can't get any compensation from them other than the minimum limits. And so you need to buy insurance called underinsured motorist protection or UIM or UM, uninsured motorist protection. And it's optional. It is not required in my state. And I don't think it's required in California, but I don't know for sure. Uh, and that means if somebody hits me and they hurt me, then my insurance company will protect me over and above whatever their minimum limits are. Mm -hmm. And really, you should max that out as much as possible. I have seen too many horror stories of people that have gotten hurt and physically uh, disabled for the rest of their lives, and they get a check for $30,000, and that's it. And, and they're on their own. There's nothing that they can do. And so it's kind of a lottery when somebody hits you. You hope that they have good insurance, or you're, you have good insurance. Yeah. So the only way to protect yourself is to get that insurance um, and... The, the the laws in in all of our states i think i don't i don't know if a state that requires uim but i'm sure somebody would tell me um they only require you to protect other people which is very interesting right that the mm -hmm. state yeah, yeah. That mandates will, that that's you a liability get something that protects other people yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh that's that's what happens and i've seen people that have gotten their legs amputated um don't drive a motorcycle kids and i've seen uh, people that have broken their backs and their hospital bill alone is $100,000. And there's a $30,000 policy. And I have to have, I have to sit the family down and let them know, I'm so sorry, but this is all we got. And there's nothing else we can do. And those are tough conversations with yeah, people. And that's sure. why I, every I, time somebody asks yeah. me, like you just did, I say, UIM, buy UIM. And they, you know, do everything you can to buy it. Even if it's an extra five bucks a month, buy it. Yeah. You know, it'll protect you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, this is this is great. I mean, great information for all our listeners and viewers. Um, so, 
I, uh, my company, uh, you know, serves people with disabilities. I wanted to ask you uh, if you ever uh, came across as someone with a disability that was in a car wreck or you, you helped uh, them legally. Do you have that experience? Yeah, uh, plenty of times. Uh, I, have, uh, I have a client, well, I had a client who was deaf and uh, that posed a new problem that I hadn't ever had to deal with before. Um, it was fine with text, right? We could text each other just fine. If he came to the office, I could yell at him and he could understand what I was saying. If, you know, I, I mouth my words very well. I know the alphabet in sign language because I had a, a friend growing up that was, that was deaf. And um, that's it. That's all I got. I about know as much sign language as I know Spanish. Um, and so the technology that he showed me, which is amazing, uh, is there's a, there's a whole company that, that has sign language interpreters ready to go. And they will do phone calls for you. And he just has to video call the sign language interpreter. And she will say what he's signing to me. And then she'll sign what I say back to him. And so sometimes I would get phone calls from him and it would be somebody else. And she'd be like, hello, I'm going to translate for him. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then to do a deposition, we did a video deposition over Zoom because it was in the pandemic and we had to hire a, a sign language interpreter for him, which, you know, it's just like what we're doing right now. She would sign, he, you know, he would listen, he would sign, she would say whatever the, his answer was. Mm -hmm. Uh, you got to have a good internet connection for that man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, if you don't, it's not like dropping words, you know, if yeah, you drop yeah. the sign, like he didn't get any of it. It was, it was tough, but you know, I, I've also seen that you can turn on uh, closed captions on zoom, uh, which I haven't dealt, I haven't uh, fiddled with it before, but that was something that I saw recently. And I was like, Oh, I should have tried that with him. Um, and I've also had, uh, how also had a client who was uh, autistic uh, severely autistic. He was 30 years old and he had never spoken a word in his entire life. And uh, his mom and he were in a car wreck. He, he was a passenger. She was driving and they were pretty hurt. It was interesting because he was hurt, but he couldn't communicate where he was hurt um, by talking to the, to the doctors. And so it, it became, it was a very interesting case because we had to figure out what was wrong with him, but we couldn't, uh, you know, talk to him. So we had to observe how he would walk and sit up and stand and that sort of thing, x-rays, MRIs. And he had an iPad that he would use that had symbols on it for different things. So that's how he communicated. So if his mom said, where do you want to go to eat? Um, he would pull up a picture of a bunch of different restaurants and he would point to McDonald's or something like that. And, oh, okay, we'll go to McDonald's. And it was interesting to watch her interact with him because she was talking to him like you and I are talking right now, uh, but he's just pointing at things and she just knows. She just, she can tell his mood. She can tell everything about him. And yes. so my communication with him was kind of like that. It was just easier through his mom or while he was pointing at the iPad or um, yeah, it was, that was, that was a very, very cool case. I, I'd never worked with someone uh, on the spectrum that was that, that autistic before. Yeah. And, and then I, I, they, I've seen, I've had more clients uh, after that. I don't know if it's word of mouth or like, hey, Zach, Zach can, knows how to, how to deal or how to help. And so I've had clients with autism since then. And it's been, it's been very rewarding. Talk about, you know, representing people without a voice, sometimes literally, right?
Yeah, yeah, literally, exactly. Um, and, and it's amazing to see uh, a business owner who is, uh, you know, doing, you know, going above and beyond to be accessible to everybody. And that's, uh, that's part of what I preach on a daily basis with my practice and uh, everything. Uh, you know, because disability is, if you look at it, it's just diversity, you know, diverse people. Uh, and then you have to adapt your, your, your environment to fit these people into it. Otherwise, there's, uh, you know, because it's far more easy for, for, for us to adapt than to them, you know. So uh, I always say this, you know the people with disabilities shouldn't adapt to the existing environment. The existing environment should adapt to fit people with disabilities in there. So that's, that's very important. That's something I, I try to say every time. Um, now, this is gonna be a great segue to my next question. Uh, one of your core values is communication. So why did you choose yeah. communication as a core value and how do you ensure that great communication is maintained, uh, not only by you, but by your employees as well? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a couple of times. It's been you know, put up or shut up. You know, put your money where your mouth is. Uh, you said communication was your core value. Let's see if you can do it. I chose it one because I found it to be the most lacking quality in attorneys in my industry uh, is this communication. It was as simple as updating your client on what's going on or explaining the complexities of a legal issue to someone without sounding like a jerk. Um, you know, communication has grown from that to a lot of what you and I just talked about it. to be able to communicate with somebody, no matter what, uh, might be a better way of saying it. Um, you said go above and beyond, but I say, no, that's just, we're, we're living what we, what we think is the most important. And if somebody says they don't speak the same language as me, I'm well, Google translate probably has it in there. Yeah. Um, and if somebody doesn't, doesn't speak at all, then, you know, we can figure something else out. Um, and, you know, if somebody only does sign language, we, we can hire a sign language interpreter, we can go over text, all those things have just come naturally from that core value of, of communication, mostly because I, I, the number one complaint that I hear and heard from people when they're talking about their lawyers that they, their communication was bad, they're bad at communicating. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a lot to do with my profession. It's a lot to do with the way we are taught in school, um, everything but you know how to how to deal with clients. Um, and I guess there's it's just kind of a it's just kind of the culture. It's kind of the world that I live in as lawyers, uh, for the most part. Not all of us, but lawyers yeah. are bad at at communicating because. I don't have a really uh, why. I don't have a why. It's just it's just kind of the culture. Well, you know, a lot of, I want to call us jerks. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people. You know, I mean, everybody needs great communication skills. I think that's uh, even that's a, that's a gospel skill to have. You know, uh, unfortunately, you know, communication a lot of times is not present in most conversations nowadays. Um, and let's uh, let's uh, move to our next question. Uh, and like, I often talk talk about inclusion and the importance of having an inclusive environment. So, how do you explain inclusion in your environment? Well, I mean, I guess it's it's just kind of a continuation of what we've been talking about: uh, how to be inclusive. Um, you know, I got people now that work here that 
uh, come from all sorts of different backgrounds, and uh, I've made them all learn how to use an iPad, no, uh, or Mac, uh, Apple products. You know, most people don't don't. So I'm not very inclusive when it comes to PCs and Macs. You have to have a Mac. Uh, I know that you're not a Mac guy. I'm just doing this to tease you. Uh, <laughs> but no, inclusion means you got you to gotta get out of your comfort zone and figure it out. It's the same thing as adaptability. It's the same thing as, as what you talked about when it comes to, we adapt for people with disabilities. Um, there's, you're not going to be able to adapt if you don't go out there and, and put yourself out there. If you don't learn, if you don't meet people, if you don't try. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where inclusion comes from. It, it, it comes from, I, I have to step out of my office and talk to people. I can't just sit in here behind a computer screen all day. Um, even if it's something that I want to do, even if I don't want to talk to anybody, you got to do it. And uh, going back to that adaptability thing that you said, I, I got to tell you, the, the, the people that have disabilities, um, I think that they get a bad rap from, from the rest of us because we somehow don't either we don't want to step out of our comfort zone to include or to adapt or maybe we just afraid of doing the wrong thing so we just kind of avoid i see a lot of avoidance when it comes to uh people with either special needs or people that have disabilities a lot of people just kind of like oh i'm just going to do them a favor and ignore them you know and it's yeah. like look the other way um i've never kind of i've never been that kind of guy who looks away uh, I've, I've been the kind of guy that wants to, wants to learn and, and meet and, and, um, you know, ask questions and that sort of thing. And what I have found is it's way more embarrassing for the person with a disability for you to ignore them than it is for you to, to sit down with them and say, Hey, what's going on? What's, what's up? How can I help? You know, that sort of thing. Just be treated like, a decent, like another decent common decency, um, seems to be a, a failing trait, not just in my profession, but in you know, yeah, and, you know, just having some common decency. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, going into this uh, space of the community of people with disabilities, I had no exposure to them before. And fortunately, I had some good mentors along the way uh, that were, you know, people with disabilities that helped me with the terminology, with how to say things, how to say things, how to approach uh, a, a specific situation. So, to your point, it's always nice to approach people, say, you know, what's going on? Just, you know, just like you and I talk, you know, it's like show the same, same, uh, you know, approach to, to, you know, people with disabilities and not, not, and don't avoid them, you know, it's very important. I like, uh, I, I like what you said a lot. And, uh, you know, you helps me, helps me a friendly person. It kind of comes naturally to friendly people like me, outgoing people, you know, for introverts, I don't think it comes as natural. <laughs> true. That uh, is very true. You know, and uh, yes, you are very it's, outgoing. It's harder for some. That is a correct. That is correct. So uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, communication as your core value, I want to, I want to give our audience in closing here, uh, three tips on, on good communication, because to be able to get along uh, well with others, to be able to work well with others, to be able to live well with others, you must be a good communicator. And to be a good communicator, uh, number one, you have to have something worth saying, like an interest, fascination, sensitivity, and knowledge. Number two, you have to say it well. You must have a good delivery system for your substance and knowledge so it can benefit someone. And number three, 
You have to be able to read your audience. You have to read what's going on between you and the people you're, tra- you're talking to. Should you say what you're saying softer or should, should you say it a little stronger? Should you explain it more? Should you be more clear? A lot of the decision-making that's going on during a conversation with someone depends on how well you can read, how well you can tell what's going on in the minds of those you are trying to reach. Do you agree with that, Zach? Nope, I don't agree with any of it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, of course. Very well said, my friend. Very well said. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much, Zach. It was a pleasure having you uh, as a guest on Mobility and Inclusion. I hope we'll have you again in the future. I hope so, too. Sounds good, man. Great to good see luck. you, man. It was a pleasure. Likewise, likewise. Next time, we're going to do this live, face-to-face. Okay. Oh, face-to-face. Yes, I'm in. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one. See ya. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.